This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What's going on, everybody? Hope you had a great weekend. Welcome to another week of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily here on your favorite podcast feed. And uh, for those of you watching us here on YouTube, what's going on, everyone? I'm Andrew Patterson, along with the CTO, Michael Remus, and we have a busy, busy show today. We'll get ready for the cup final tonight. Tampa and the Habs going at it at Amelie Arena in Florida. Travis Yost will pop on the program a little bit later on. We'll also set it up with Mike McIntyre from the Winnipeg Free Press who will be in Montreal later this week covering the final. And Mike also had a story today in the free press on um, this Blackhawks cover-up scandal, whatever you want to call it, um, that we talked about with Jeff Hamilton on Friday night. So a lot to get to coming up in the next couple hours here on the program. Really looking forward to it. As always, big thanks to our sponsors, Royal Sports, Nikki Nikki DQ Group, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Breezy Bend, Policy Me, Boston Pizza, Aikens Lake, Assiniboia Downs and CoolBet.com. Let's uh, get Michael Remus in here while we're welcoming everybody into the show. I see John H is here listening from the deck at Victoria Beach today. Beautiful day for some WST and an LBJ. John, looks like you got it all figured out, my friend. Folks are up at VB right now. I would uh, may have to do a couple shows from VB this summer. We'll see how we can handle the technology. Would be would be certainly nice to be able to do that. Um, but anyways, welcome everybody. Great to see you all. Great to see Michael Remus. How was the weekend? I was uh, noticing on your Instagram. Did you go to Jurassic Park or something like that? You were hanging around with a bunch of dinosaurs, I see. Yes, Huss. If you haven't seen it, Assiniboine Park Zoo has this new dinosaur. I don't want to call it an exhibit, but uh, attraction. Where they have all these like animatronic uh, life-size dinosaurs. I took my son. He's too loved it. Um T-Rex, you know, all these Gigantosaurus, all these uh, different varieties. You know, when I was growing up, it was just like, okay, Stegosaurus, Brontosaurus. Uh, there's a bunch of them. Now they have all these weird names that I've never I've never heard of. So I definitely uh, actually learned a lot. But these, these things are cool. Their eyes blink, tails wag, heads move. Uh, they make noises. They look uh, pretty lifelike, so it's on my Instagram story. I recommend. So is that just new? Like they've just brought that in for a few um, weeks, or are these yeah. dinosaurs now part of the zoo? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think it's here for a few weeks. I'm pretty sure. So I recommend it. And my dad, I went with my dad too. He joked, you know, they have all these real animals there, but no, we're there to see the fake dinosaurs. Who needs to see real <laughs> real animals, right? When you can see some some fake life size dinosaur. But very, if you're looking for something to do Canada Day weekend, I would recommend that. Hey, uh, Paula Dett says, hey, Hassan Remo, and a real scorcher out here on Vancouver Island. Man, have you been seeing this heat that they're getting out of the West Coast? Yes. All-time Canadian record. Hottest temperature ever recorded yesterday in some place in the southern BC interior. I think they could be pushing 48 Celsius, potentially like 120 Fahrenheit today. It's going to be a gorgeous week here, though, just looking at the forecast. Uh, we shouldn't be too extreme, but right in and around 30 degrees, potentially maybe even 33 on Friday. So um, going to be a great day to get out. Yes, have a couple of LBJs, maybe get onto the golf course. And speaking of that, we'll tell you about this a little bit later on, but you are going to want to get to our uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk Instagram page. We've got a contest put together with our friends at Breezy Bend and Little Brown Jug. We'll be doing a big marble race at the end of Wednesday's show, heading into Canada Day to give out the fantastic prize. We'll tell you about that later on, but uh, get to the Instagram page and make sure that, you are, uh, that you're all signed up. It's funny you mentioned the heat wave on the West Coast. Um, I've been paying attention to that because my dad is big into the uh, 
U.S. Olympic trials for the track and field. Um, you know, some of the biggest uh, biggest stars going to be participating in Tokyo, but they were supposed to go what 6 p.m. in Seattle. At 4 p.m., the track heat level was 107 degrees, so they had to do change it to late night, like Ooh. eight eight thirty, you know, Seattle time, West Coast. So it was like 10:30 here. So uh, having an effect uh, on the sports world. I didn't see if the Mariners were. I didn't. I didn't really look at the box score. I know I rock their hats all the time, but hey, when you haven't made the playoffs since 2001, it's hard to be engaged. Uh, well, you know, the Mariners did dying. make. They, they did do something on the weekend. Yeah, they saw, had the first pitcher kicked out uh, as part of the stop and frisk program currently underway in Major League Baseball. So uh, <laughs> that I saw. It was Hector Rodriguez, and he just sort of smiled and uh, did the uh, did the walk off. Yeah, I guess I. I guess I'm out. Yeah, uh, it was funny. Um, I tell you, I had a great weekend. And, you know, Saturday was just such an awesome day. Um, it was beautiful outside. But it was the first time that most of us were able to get back and see some friends. Um, got a chance to see uh, my family for the first time in a long time. Happy birthday, Bella. Nice little birthday party out there. It uh, was, a, was a big hit bringing by a ice cream cake from Nick and Nicky DQ. Um, highly recommended going forward. But Remo, my big takeaway from this, not only was it quite obvious that the uh, citizenship, uh, the citizenry of Winnipeg was very, very excited to get back out and see each other, is that in the aftermath of the pandemic, as we get into reopening, the city of Winnipeg has just turned into one massive beer garden. I, you know, I haven't been out, but it just seems like every place now is trying to have like the most like elite patio taking over parking lots. Um, I, you know, I think there are, you know, there's going to be some, I guess, good that comes out of this and hey, bigger beer gardens, I think is, is definitely a positive. Well, I got to tell you, I was by BP on the weekend and the patio was packed. I popped by Finn's at Grant Park and the Jay and the gang did a great job there setting up a much larger area in the patio with well-spaced out tables. It was packed. And Confusion Corner did an amazing job on their patio. They uh, refitted one of those um, shipping containers and essentially have a bar now on the patio as well. Oh. And um, it was bananas there um, outside. Um, it was hot. I did spend most of my time indoors there, but uh, it was nice. It was a little bit cooler. But all in all, listen, bottom line, it's great to see the uh, all of these restaurants, you know, getting back to normal. And I'll tell you what, Remus, the biggest issue right now for these places is staffing. I've talked to some people in the industry that would have wanted to be open yesterday if they could have had the people. And, you know, when you expand to a patio situation, especially when you're bringing things in from the main restaurant, you know, it adds some time and you want to make sure the experience is great for the diners. Uh, But anyways, yeah, if you know some people that need a job right now, talk to some of the local restaurants. They could certainly use uh, use some extra hands. Um, All right, let's get to it. We've got so much to get to. A quick update for you, those of you that have been paying attention to the Euro. Um, Big game coming up a little bit later on today with France and Switzerland. But this game right now between Croatia and uh, Spain has been an absolute classic. Six minutes left in the game. Spain was up 3-1. Croatia scored with about five minutes left and then got one two minutes into extra time to tie the game. So they are at 3-3 right now playing an extra time. An absolute classic right now from the Euro. Um, But of course, we're going to be talking lots of hockey. And the big story today, in addition to the one that's sort of a cloud over it with what's happening in the uh, with this Blackhawks investigation, we'll get to that with Mike McIntyre a little bit later on, is of course... 
the puck dropping on the cup final. And since we have last been on, we were going into game seven. We thought it would be tight. We thought it would be low scoring. And it was exactly that. Although for a one nothing game, um, this was a game that the Tampa Bay Lightning seemed in complete control of most of the game. I think Tampa only had about 10 shots in the first two periods. Uh, but that being said, it was still a one goal game. We've seen the Islanders stranger things. Heck, they came back from two nothing in game six. Uh, but it was Vasilevsky and the Lightning shutting the door, and they are now ready to defend their championship beginning tonight against the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, we've been saying all playoffs. You're the champions until you're not, and Tampa Bay getting a chance to defend the crown. A lot of incredible uh, storylines if Tampa were to win. Patrick Maroon could be in three straight cup champions. I think that's incredible. Steven Stamkos didn't play last year. I mean, he had that one shift where he or one game where he scored in which was incredible in the cup final. But, I mean, they kind of did it all last year without him, and he's been, you know, face of the franchise for so long. Tampa repeating. Could we have another? You know, it's funny. You talk about how, you know, NHL's got so much parity. Well, look at all the champions, you know, baseball. You know, NHL's got that salary cap. Us, you're not going to see, you're going to see a lot of parity, a lot of different champions, and you compare it to baseball. They don't have a salary cap. You know, you can just buy a team. Baseball's got a lot more different champions in the last 10 years. Then hockey, I can tell you that. Hockey's been Chicago, uh, then Pittsburgh, L.A. had two. Boston's been to a couple finals. And now you have Tampa, a chance to repeat. But how about Montreal? Carey Price, could he carry this team? You know, Montreal got the whole 1993 uh, thing, the underdog in every series. I mean, people still aren't picking Montreal now, but I, I put out a poll who you got if you want to put in the poll. But I think a lot of fun storylines. I know a lot of Canadians, maybe if you're a Jets fan, you're kind of feeling frustrated after the Jets lost, but I think it's hard not to want to jump on the Montreal Banaway and you see the scenes going on there. It's kind of funny, the price disparity for tickets. I know there's only 3500 in Montreal, but I'm pretty sure you could fly to Tampa from Montreal, get a hotel room, get tickets, and it would still be cheaper than one ticket at the Bell Center. I think the cheapest ticket I was seeing is 5600 right now for uh, for the game uh, I mean, on I Friday. Can, I, can pull I mean, they're going in and around. Um, I saw Gabe. Gabe was frantically trying to get tickets, and he got in touch with someone and said, yeah, well, you can get a suite, eight people for twenty eight grand. Great. <laughs> except, except, except the one problem is that as part of that, you also have to commit to buying a suite for 11 games a season for the next three years, which is a total of 278 grand. So, um, yeah, the demand is quite high. Oh, just seeing that uh, Spain has scored, uh, but it's no golden goal. It's not sudden death OT, so Croatia will still have another 15 minutes to get back. 4-3 right now. What a game uh, we've got going on. Now, um, Remo, let's uh, get into this. As far as this series goes tonight, um, I'm... Listen, we've been burned before by the Montreal Canadiens, certainly in the Vegas series. I mean, I think that, you know, the the perspective here from Winnipeg, it was quite the same. I think for most people going into the second round, it would be a good series, but the Winnipeg Jets were a favorite. Vegas was an absolutely massive favorite. And to be honest, I think under normal circumstances, Tampa would be an even bigger favorite in this series. But considering what Montreal just did to Vegas, um, there still is some, you know, some belief that the Montreal Canadiens are this team of destiny um, and, and certainly have done such a great job at shutting down the top players on the Leafs, on the Jets, and now the Vegas Golden Knights. Part of me does think, though, that the um, the challenge of shutting down the Tampa Bay Lightning and generating enough offense to win a game is going to be a, a, a challenge in another stratosphere than what they've been dealing with for the last three, despite what we expected from the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, someone asked me yesterday for my official prediction 
And I was like, oh, God, I got to put one on the record here. I said Tampa in six. Um, I know we put a poll out. 59% of the 37 people who voted, uh, 58% think that Montreal is going to win. But I think it's really hard to pick against Tampa. They're so deep. Kucherov's back. I know we were kind of speculating if he was going to play or not. And then he said, of course I was going to play. What What injury? There's no question. I was playing. It's game seven, guys. And he kind of was like, well, there was no injuries, like laughing it off. I don't know what happened. Nobody really knows it's playoffs. There's a lot of secrecy. But I think I got to pick, uh, got to pick Tampa here. But I think, I mean, I'm not ruling Montreal out. I'm, you know, I'm scared of the surprise element from Montreal, but it shouldn't be a surprise anymore. We know they have four solid lines. We know they have this strong defense. We know Carey Price can steal games. But you're, but uh, I mean, Tampa might have the one goalie in the league that's better than Carey Price and Vasilevsky, who's got a couple shutouts on the year. We saw what he did in in Game Seven. You've seen highlight reel saves from him. I mean, Tampa, they're a, they're a complete team. Uh, so I think it's uh, it's tough for me to pick against them. We'll get to the uh, we'll get to the odds later on. I've got a couple picks for the series that we'll get to you. Uh, oh, Spain scored again. It's five three now in extra time. And for anyone, you know, you have the the old like you know people that want to crap on soccer. It's boring. There's never any goals. Let's not forget that we sat through two and a half hours of a one nothing hockey game on Friday night, and we're now talking about a soccer game that has eight goals scored in it. So uh, <laughs> we'll cut them some slack. It's been pretty good. I don't know if we'll get that same sort of excitement this afternoon. Swinson is a pretty good defensive team, but France, the favorites to win the tournament, it should be uh, it should be a good one. Um, as I said, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about the cup final coming up uh, a little bit later on. I guess the big story, I know some people in chat were wondering what was up with Joel Armia. Well, it, it, it's strange. And again, I'm still, you know, he had COVID earlier this year. Um, and then all of a sudden went back into the COVID protocol on the weekend and did not travel with the team. Apparently, Reem, he is out of COVID protocol. He's flying to Tampa in a private jet as per interim head coach Luke Richardson and will be a game time decision for the game tonight. And listen, our, our Mia might not be one of the big stars on Montreal, but we've seen how effective that quote unquote fourth line has been this season. Um, I think a lot the loss of our Mia, although they've done such a great job at making up for players that have been out of the lineup before and the guys that have come in have all made big impacts. But I imagine Richardson and the Habs would love to have Armia in that lineup tonight with Stahl and Perry considering how good they've been this year. And hey, listen, if he's able to get to the game, um, I don't see any reason why he won't be in the lineup tonight, to be honest. Yeah, he's an impact uh, player. You know, he's you know you need those guys in the bottom six and we saw it here on the Jets 2018 team. And here he's doing in a similar role for Montreal. He's big. He's got hands. Um, you know, matched up with Perry and Stahl. I mean, that is a, a solid uh, group. And, you know, they've got Stanley Cup experience, Olympic experience. And I think it's definitely paid off for them. I mean, we're talking about, like, off-season moves. Uh, Corey Perry, that signing, I mean, for, you know, mid-salary. 750 <laughs> And, like, nobody wanted this guy. After coming off, you know, after coming off a Stanley Cup run with Dallas. Um, So, full credit to Mark Bergman and... And the Canadians for picking him up for nothing. Um, very well done because that move has has paid off. And again, he's a guy that you hate when he's on the other team, but when he's on your team, that you're like, that is the type of player we need. It's the definition <laughs> of of that. So uh, it's worked out worked out real and, well. And Perry's basically a playoff player now. I mean, if you think back yeah. last year in Dallas. I mean, he wasn't really doing a whole a whole lot. Part of the reason why he signed for what he did this year, 
And then yet come playoff time, all of a sudden there's Curry Perry being an impact player as they, you know, round all the way, uh, all the way to the final. And then this year was similar. I mean, you know, he wasn't really doing too much, wasn't playing too much. And then, you know, come playoff time, the guy emerges again. And I'll tell you what, there's a lot of teams that would be more than happy to pay a very low price for a guy that, you know, could be a passenger at times in the regular season, but you're going to get what you get from him come playoff time. So, I mean, Perry will big, big, big story. I, I still, I'm sort of with you. I'm, I'm leaning towards Tampa, but again, we've been wrong all this time. Yeah. Talking about, <laughs> talking about the Habs. So <laughs> I'm saying Tampa, Tampa's like the logical, like I look at, you know, Dom's uh, projections from the athletic. I think he had Tampa around like over 70% chance to win, but like, I don't feel good about that. I don't feel like uh, that doesn't mean that you're feeling confident. What, what was Tampa. the number for Vegas going into that series? Yeah, it was I mean, probably Vegas similar. It was probably similar. And what was the number for Winnipeg against Montreal? I mean, again, Montreal is the most nobody believed in us team in the most recent uh, <laughs> memory because everyone's picking against them every series. A true nobody believes in us team, not like a self uh, a self fulfilling prophecy of no yeah. one like trying to convince yourself that no one believes you. Um, listen, you know, okay. They're five, three now going to the second half of extra time. So we'll keep you up to date for those of you watching live with us uh, here on YouTube, uh, for soccer fans listening after the fact, what a classic, you might want to watch the replay on TSN a little later on if you weren't able to catch it. Um, but speaking of soccer, Reem, speaking of local sports, we got to wait for the bombers. We know the jets are done right now. We know the gold eyes are playing in Tennessee, but Congratulations to our boy, Coach Gailey, and the lads of Valor FC. They opened their season yesterday with a brilliant 2-0 whitewash of Forge FC from Hamilton, who had been one of the top teams in the league the last couple of years. Um, I have a feeling, well, certainly if you look at the way they started right now, a couple beautiful goals right now, some real solid defense from the club. I mean, a great, great start. That was awesome to see. And, you know, hearing some of the stories of the Valor fans being outside the stadium with their flags. I saw a couple vids of them down outside the hotel downtown. Um, really cool to see the support that they get. And considering where things are, I mean, we'll have our fingers crossed that we might be able to get out to the park for a Valor game at some point soon. Yeah, what did they say? Um, Large-scale sporting events could be in the cards, uh, provided... You show your uh, vaccine NFT or card or certificate, your lanyard, however they're going to be uh, posting those. So um, pretty cool to see, you know, the support. Valor, you know, since they've come in, has incredible supporters, you know, marching to the arena, you know, being vocal. I haven't myself got out to a game, but um, hey, if they're playing and they're letting fans and it's going on all the time, it'd be something fun to do in the afternoon, that's for sure. Uh, I uh, I was a regular in the first season um, when they actually could have fans and it was an absolute riot. And I say this as someone that had never really been to soccer games before, wasn't really someone that followed. I mean, I'd follow world. I know who Ronaldo is and the top players, but I mean, it's not something I was spending a lot of time watching. I'll tell you what, you get out there in that south corner near uh, the gang in the trench and just the atmosphere, the energy, the song. I mean, it was so much fun. And uh, it seems like we've got a much stronger squad this year. Is um, You know, there were some real growing pains in year one for Valor FC, uh, but a great start. So uh, congratulations. Hat tip to the lads. 
two nothing win over Forge FC. Um, and we'll definitely talk some CPL and Euro a little later on this week. Hopefully we'll get Gailey back on the program. All right, we're going to hook up with Mike McIntyre. Before we do that, do you want to tell you about policyme.com? What's policyme? Well, it's uh, it's probably going to be something that can help take care of something that you may have well been putting off for a long time. And that, of course, is life insurance. I get it. Um, there's a lot of things that you want to buy, and there's other things that you sort of find, can find any reason not to do it. And the procrastination when it comes to something like life insurance is real, um, but it can also be incredibly problematic because it is one of those things that if you have people that depend on you, loved ones, a family, investments, um, that you need to take care of. Uh, but I get it. You don't want to have these awkward meetings with people you don't know talking about some sensitive information. And that's where Policy Me comes in. They put together an incredible, um, fast, easy, and affordable product that is done 100% online. You go to policyme.com, you answer a few questions, you'll uh, you'll you'll get rates roughly 10 to 20% lower than other insurers in Canada. And you'll find out if you're approved for coverage instantly instead of waiting weeks with most other companies. And most people don't require a medical exam. And what bottom line is, it's all online. You're not even going to be talking to anyone. It's an easy, straightforward process that traditionally took weeks and involved confusing paperwork and insurance jargon. Now it's done in about 15 minutes through an easy-to-understand application. Don't wait any longer, folks. This is something that is too important to put off, and it's too easy to do at PolicyMe.com. PolicyMe.com, when they ask how you heard about it, make sure you click on Podcast and Winnipeg Sports Talk if there's a way you can uh, can mention that too. Um Royal Sports, listen, I have a feeling the uh, Spanish folks might be uh, loading up on a few more jerseys as they look to be off to the round of eight. Although I thought that was six minutes left in the game and then it was tied. So um, but certainly looking great. Of course, Italy's moving on. The Italians looking great. The French playing this afternoon. Tomorrow, England and Germany. What a matchup that's going to be. it's an incredible selection of jerseys from the tournament and the top stars from around the world. And while you're at Royal Sports, it is summertime. Check out the disc golf section. And don't worry, we'll be talking about disc golf a little later on. Maybe the sports highlight of the year happened on the weekend from the world of the PDGA, um, as well as their camping section, the bikes and expanded fitness section. Of course, all the great streetwear on the King's Skate Snow and Surfside. And by the way, if you've got a teenager that's just getting vaxxed, uh, check out the kings uh, kings underscore sss their instagram page free t-shirt and a great some great prizes um for uh for the teens that are getting uh, vaxxed and waxed right now as they say over at royal sports and a shout out to nick and nikki dq i mentioned my niece's birthday got to be the hero rolled in with a big nick and nikki dq ice cream cake uh, a huge hit i don't think there's anything better to accessorize a family gathering or a party right now that we're able to get together than one of those great cakes. And if you want, the easiest thing to do, hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. You can get your order in. It'll be ready for you to pick up at any of the four Nick and Nicky locations in Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. And while you're there, you might want to try that Kit Kat Blizzard is back as well as the Drumstick Blizzard. Absolutely awesome. All right, let's get to it. Look who's back. It's Mike McIntyre just getting ready to do some packing for the first time in forever as Mike's about to head to Montreal to cover the Stanley Cup final. Mike, what's going on, dude? Great to have you back on the program. Hey, Hass. Yeah, I've had uh, I've had the bags packed kind of all throughout this hockey season. There were different times where we thought we might be able to 
get on the road with the Winnipeg Jets. Um, of course, the ongoing border issues and uh, and quarantine issues kind of complicated that. But I thought your wife was just going to tell you to beat it, so you always had a bag packed. Well, both my <laughs> wife and my 16-year-old daughter have, um, in good fun, they've been anxious to get dad out of the house. And so, yeah, they're... They're apparently having a celebratory dinner tomorrow night uh, when I'll be in Montreal. So everyone wants the families to gather and get together. Not if you've been with them for the last like, 18 months, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, listen, I mean, I, I obviously we're going to talk about the series coming up, but, um, you know, I had a chance for a great conversation with your colleague, Jeff Hamilton on Friday. And Jeff, of course, having done all that incredible work on the Graham James story for the right. last couple of years was a, uh, maybe a perfect person to talk about this um, the Chicago Blackhawks story. Um, it's been strange the way that this news has come out, who has covered it, some people that haven't really covered it. Um, you know, the commissioner's speaking tonight, Mike. Yeah. And obviously that will be probably more, um, more on the mind of much of the media than the actual final tonight is. You've got a piece today about the cloud of this happening, you know, over the Stanley Cup final. Um, maybe just um, give us, you know, your thoughts on what we're hearing, what we've learned right now, and how problematic this is for not only the Blackhawks organization, but the league, as well as the questions about people that were with the team at that time that have now moved on elsewhere in the NHL. Yeah, as I wrote today in the free press, it's a huge dark cloud over the league and one that, you know, some dogged reporting by uh, by some individuals, um, uh, Rick Westhead, of course, TSN, um, uh, there's been some great work, Katie Strang of The Athletic. And it was Katie who actually asked Mark Bergevin yesterday. I was on that Zoom call as part of uh, Stanley Cup Media Day. Uh, Mark Bergevin was the director of player personnel back with the Blackhawks in, in, in 2009 and 10. And, uh, and so Bergevin, that was kind of the first time to ask him. And he denied any knowledge of, of a meeting and of of the allegations regarding two Chicago Blackhawks players being sexually abused by a video coach, which, you know, that, that's fine. Mark Bergevin, that's his position. Um, it certainly contradicts what has been reported already, which is that, uh, you know, it was a, it, it was an open secret within that entire Chicago Blackhawks team. Uh, John Torchetti, who was an assistant coach, he's come out and spoken to Rick Westhead late last week saying that as an assistant coach, he was well aware of it. And it does Huss, raise some serious questions about who knew what and when, and maybe most importantly, why was nothing done about it? Why were the, why was the police not involved? Uh, and of course it's, it's an alarming story, not only because of what is alleged to have happened to those two Chicago players, but the fact that this video coach, Brad Aldrich went on to other employment in the hockey world and went on to uh, sexually abuse a 16-year-old high school hockey player in Michigan for which he was ultimately sent to jail and put on the sex offender registry. And as I know you and Jeff talked about last week, Huss, I mean, one of those individuals that was with the Blackhawks in 2010 was Winnipeg Jets general manager Kevin Shoveldayoff, who was then the assistant GM, now, of course, the GM of the Jets, there's been nothing to suggest that Kevin Shoveldayoff was part of that meeting that went on in which apparently the idea of going to the authorities was shot down. Uh, however, you know, there is the allegation out there that everyone in the organization was aware of this. Um, at this point, Kevin Shoveldayoff, the Winnipeg Jets have declined to comment. 
unlike, say, Mark Bergevin, who has to speak because his team's in the Stanley Cup final, there is no immediate opportunity to ask Kevin Shovelday off directly. Uh, and I guess a big development today, Huss, is that the Chicago Blackhawks, uh, Mark Lazarus reported, have brought in uh, a, a former prosecutor to lead an independent investigation surrounding the Blackhawks and kind of everybody that was in that uh, on that team. Uh, so it appears that finally there's going to be this independent investigation. I'll be part of that uh, State of the Union with, with Gary Bettman later this afternoon. It goes at 4.30 Winnipeg time. And you're right. There's no question the commissioner is going to get asked about this. And I'll be very curious to see what he has to say. I'm, I'm writing another column on it today. Uh, so I'll, I'll be watching with great interest what the commissioner says. Well, and, and, and listen, I mean, Bill Daly has always been very good to me and this program, and I've got a ton of respect for him. But I was somewhat stunned last week when, yeah. you know, he was asked, uh, you know, about this. And they said, well, they're aware of, of some things. But at the time at this time, there's no investigation going on, which would prompt the question, well, what would need to happen for them actually to do an investigation? And. You know, and again, we're not talking about something that happened 40 years ago. I mean, we're talking no. about something that was in 2010. Um, and 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 listen, I mean, when it comes to guys like Bergevin and Shevel Dayoff, um, you know, you 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 wonder what might become of them. The bottom line is this was way higher up the food chain. I mean, right. that meeting had Stan Bowman that had the president of the of the Blackhawks organization. And in most most workplaces, if there's a serious issue, I mean, the entire staff doesn't handle it. It goes to the people of the most power and the most influence. And that's seemingly what happened. Um, so listen, beyond Bergevin and Shevel Dayoff, I mean, they're people, certainly they will be asked questions going forward. But I, I mean, how in the world can Stan Bowman continue right. on as the general manager of the Chicago Blackhawks? Yeah, and th there's a number of individuals still employed by the Blackhawks. Um, Joel Quenville was the head coach at the time. He's, of course, now in Florida. And again, John Torchetti has come out. He was the assistant to Joel Quenville. He says, oh, yeah, I knew about this. Uh, you know, you'd have to think, did Joel Quenville then not know about it? Um, for sure, there's, there's a lot of questions that are going to have to be answered. And, you know, to me, Haas, the NHL can't hide behind the fact that there's civil litigation here. And it seems that, you know, that's kind of often the default, right? They'll say, well, we can't comment because it's it's a legal matter before the courts. You can have an in, you can have an, an, an investigation going on at the same time as civil litigation. It doesn't have to be one or the other. Um, and so for sure, I mean, here's what I'd like to hear Gary Bettman say today. I'd like him to come out and flat out say that we have great concern about what went on here and we are going to. Uh, investigate this to the fullest and and if there was uh, wrongdoing we'll hold those responsible accountable I don't know that we're going to hear that from the commissioner today but that's the kind of thing that that I'd like to hear and you know it certainly reinforces unfortunately Huss uh, that that whole you know hockey culture and the toxic environment that often exists that keeps these things hidden this is not something that can stay hidden. And you have some ex-players, guys like Brent Sopel, Nick Boynton. I mean, Brent Sopel went on his Twitter account last week and said the entire front office should be in jail. Um, so, you know, there's, there's some big names now speaking out who are part of that team. And this is something that, that clearly can't stay hidden any longer. Hey, Mike, uh, when the commissioner does speak this afternoon, um, 
how much of the, how much of the questioning do you think is going to be on this topic as opposed to the, the cup final tonight? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And I suspect that with the momentum this story has now gained, again, due to some of the great work that the, some of the early reporters on this did, uh, I think it's going to dominate at least the early questions. Like that, that has to be the number one thing that gets talked about. I suppose, depending on what the commissioner says, you know, that they'll, they'll no doubt try and push the, the agenda into other topics. And I'm sure other things are going to get asked. Look, Gary Bettman's not coming to talk about who's winning the series or previewing, you know, whether Montreal can shut down Tampa's high octane offense. He's, he's talking about the league and, and its current state. And this is a huge story regarding the current state of the league. You can't talk about the state of the union and not discuss what appears to be a major scandal right now within the NHL. One that I might add Huss, and it certainly raises questions about what the hell was going on in, in the, in the Blackhawks world at the time, this is the same franchise that had the whole Bill Peters, Akima Lou situation, which was kind of running around the same time as all of this. That was of course with their AHL affiliate. But again, this goes to upper management and it, it, you know, it just makes, and for, for the longest time, like Chicago was regarded as the model franchise, right? Because of what they accomplished on the ice you know, the, the three Stanley Cups and the dynasty they sort of built there. Uh, but that that's sort of being chipped away now, that facade, if you will. And we're seeing, obviously, some some a real ugly side of that organization start to emerge. Hey, let me ask you this just before we move on to the series. Um, it's it, Rick Westhead's done incredible work. And Rick Westhead always does. But he operates sort of on his own. Right. He is an investigative Um. Have you been surprised about how little this had been mentioned up until this weekend on certainly the main broadcast throughout the playoffs on Hockey Night in Canada and on Sportsnet and TSN for that matter? I am, yeah. I mean, t- to be perfectly honest, the first I heard of this was Rick's report last week. Now, I understand there was, I think, some local reporting that was being done in Chicago as early as last month when this civil lawsuit was filed. For people not aware of this story, the reason this came out is because one of those two former Chicago Blackhawks players has now filed a a civil lawsuit against the organization. And in a a statement of claim uh, filed last month, outlined a lot of these allegations that are now public. There's also a second civil lawsuit. This is from the, the teenage hockey player that I mentioned that went on to get sexually abused and he's filed against the Blackhawks basically saying you guys knew what what he was accused of doing and he left your organization you gave him a glowing letter of reference um you know and 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 allowed this to then happen to me and so these two lawsuits uh they did become public about a month ago but you're right until this kind of hit the the TSN stage last week and then you know, The Athletic, they did their own work on it, and other media outlets are now picking up on it. I am surprised that that it was as slow as it was. And, you know, I don't know what that says, I suppose, about, again, we talk about hockey culture, right? And is this a, an example where sometimes folks are afraid to rock the boat for fear of, you know, what, what might occur? But, again, this goes so far beyond uh, a sport or a game this is real life, important stuff that needs to be talked about and can't just stay in the shadows. 
Uh, and so I guess in a sense, better late than never. But it is a bit alarming that it took so long to emerge for sure. This is sort of like an inter uh, intersection of uh, your old beat and uh, your yeah. new beat. Indeed. Yeah. I mean, and unfortunately, we've seen those beats crisscross far too often, the sort of the crime beat and the sports beat. And, you know, as you mentioned, having Jeff on, like we've seen here in, in Winnipeg, of course, with the whole Graham James matter. And there's been other cases. There's other cases currently before the courts involving junior hockey and horrific examples of hazing. Like we like to think that this is all in the past and that the sport has cleaned itself up. The reality, unfortunately, is is quite different. Mike McIntyre, the Winnipeg Free Press, with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. All right, let's get to the series. Uh, we'll have a similar conversation, get Travis Yo's thoughts on both the series and the situation coming up in a few minutes. Well, first of all, the Islanders did what we thought they'd do, and that was, you know, push whoever was going to actually bounce them out to the absolute limit. Right. Um, but I think on Friday in Friday's game, Tampa showed how comfortable they are in these close, tight checking, low scoring games knowing the firepower that they have. And I mean, really, you know, they get one shorthanded goal early on and didn't really give the New York Islanders very much throughout the game. Uh, it, it was one of the more lopsided one, nothing games, if you will, in NHL history. Um, what do you make the the path the lightning have taken to this point? And um, the fact that, you know, they're getting right back at it at home tonight. Um, does that give them, uh, you know, is there is there any disadvantage for them coming right out of a tough seven game series going again tonight? Or um, do you think that with the championship pedigree like that, they just basically pick up where they left off? I think they pick up where they left off. And I see a Tampa team Hus, that as this whole season has progressed from January kind of to where we are now in late June. That this Tampa team, uh, I don't know if pacing themselves is the right word, but they were confident in their own skin, right? Like they did what they had to do in the regular season. They didn't necessarily blow the doors off anybody. They didn't win the president's trophy. I mean, heck they, they only finished third in their own division. Granted they were right there with Carolina and Florida right to the end, but that was a tough division and they hung tough. They did what they had to do. Obviously they didn't have Kucherov for the whole season, um, but it's like they, they were just pacing themselves knowing what they had to do and, and how to be successful. They had the blueprint. They had most of the same team back from the bubble last year. And, you know, as the season kind of reached its its pinnacle, they really turned it on. And then they get Kucherov back. And, of course, Stamkos had got hurt as well. He comes back. And, my goodness, this is a team that's been firing on all cylinders. Like, you know, it wasn't easy, of course, but they got by two teams in Carolina and Florida that finished ahead of them in the standings. They didn't have home ice advantage, which maybe here in Canada wasn't such a big deal. There actually was a home ice advantage in terms of crowds and things like that in the South. So to their credit, they they were the, I'd say, I don't know if underdogs the right term. I don't view the Tampa Bay lightning as an underdog in any series, but they didn't have home ice advantage. They got the job done. And then, yeah, against a stingy Islanders team, you know, it's funny, they kind of played the kind of hockey the Islanders are known for, that that really tight checking. And they just showed to me, Huss, they can play any style you want. They can run and gun, sure, and, and they'll beat you. They, they can put up six or seven. Heck, they put up eight against the Islanders, you know, earlier in the series, right? But they also are very comfortable playing a one nothing game. And, and a big part of that is they have Victor Hedman on the blue line and Andre Vasilevsky in net. 
got with all the firepower as well. Like they are a deep, well-rounded team. And so, yeah, I don't get the sense there's any Stanley Cup hangover. Again, I was on the Zoom calls yesterday for media day. All the players are saying the right thing. In fact, they're saying, you know what? We might be hungrier now than we were a year ago. That once we got the one cup, we're hungrier and we want to do this for our fans. We didn't have them last year when we won it all. Uh, so they're almost looking at this as a chance to, you know, to, to, to rewrite history and what they did last year. And yeah, Montreal is in tough for sure. Uh, but as we've also learned in these playoffs, I wouldn't discount anything this Canadians team is capable of. Well, no. Hey, uh, welcome to everyone joining in the uh, YouTube chat. If you haven't already, do us a favor, hit that thumbs up and uh, subscribe if you haven't uh, already. Uh, Mike, you mentioned the blueprint. Um, the Habs have had a pretty impressive blueprint themselves. They completely shut down the top players on the Leafs when it counted. The Jets' top forwards did absolutely nothing. And the same goes for the Vegas Golden Knights. And I don't think anybody saw that coming. The question for you is, though, can they do it again to the high-powered Lightning? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I want to say no or unlikely, but again, I, I, I kind of feel foolish always overlooking or maybe uh, not giving the Montreal Canadiens the credit they deserve. And when you look at how this team is playing right now, uh, they are absolutely you know, filled with confidence. They have the blueprint for success. You know, it starts obviously in goal. Carey Price is having an absolute sensational playoffs. Like this is a guy, he's never been to the, the Stanley Cup final and seems to be relishing the chance to, to maybe add a real cherry on top of what's been a, a heck of a, a career already. A guy like Shea Weber as well. And that blue line, you know, the Montreal Canadiens, the way they built their blue line, you know, around Weber and Petrie and Edmondson and Ben Sherrod, of course. You know, those four guys play huge minutes. They all play 25 plus a game. They're all big, nasty, aggressive, but also skilled individuals. And they don't give up a whole lot. And they've got every player on that roster buying in, right? They, they have enough scoring for sure. They have some real nice young talent, obviously Caulfield and Suzuki and Cockneyemi. But then they have the Corey Perrys and the Eric Stalls and Yoel Armia who, you know, to me, that's probably the best fourth line in hockey. A big question, though, Huss, and, you know, Montreal, they've dealt with all kinds of adversity all year, right? They they fired their coach midseason. They had a COVID outbreak, which meant the most condensed schedule of any team down the stretch. They only won seven of their last 21 games, barely holding off not exact powerhouses in Vancouver, Calgary, and Ottawa to limp into the playoffs. Um you know, and, and yet here they are, you know, they're down 3-1 to Toronto. They have to win two straight overtime games where they're one goal against from having their season over. A little more adversity coming their way. UL Armia goes into COVID protocol yesterday, uh, but they did get some good news this morning. He, it sounds like it was a false positive kind of situation. He's now back out of protocol. He's actually on a private jet right now to Tampa. He may actually get in the game tonight. And if he doesn't, Jake Evans, remember him, the guy that Mark Scheifele blew up in game one of the second round? He's on standby to make his return. Uh, but I think whoever you plug into that lineup, again, Dominic Ducharme, who, of course, he himself is in COVID <laughs> protocol. Luke Richardson has the reins for the first two games here. But, you know, it, it just seems like they play such a, a, a um, disciplined system and style of hockey 
that they're programmed for success and it makes for a really a juicy matchup against the lightning for sure oh it does and, and just you know before we break i'll say this about carrie price because he has been a rock for them but I think it speaks to just how well the Habs have been playing structurally, defensively, the way they've been boxing out. I mean, with the exception maybe of game three against Vegas, they probably didn't have any business being in that game right. and even have the opportunity for Fleury to give it up and get it to overtime if Price wasn't as brilliant as he has been. But for the most part, I mean, they've been winning games as a team. I mean, I can't really think of many cases that you could make the argument that, well, Carey Price just stole that game. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I'm, I'm picturing this scenario later this summer, almost a self-help group where you'll have Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner sitting in a circle and you'll have Nikolai Ehlers and, you know, Blake Wheeler and Kyle Connor. And then Mark Stone will enter the room <laughs> and all these guys will sit around saying, what the hell, guys? Like, how did this happen? And you know how it happened? It happened with the likes of Philip Deneau and Brendan Gallagher, like names that we don't talk a whole lot about. Uh, not the flashiest players, but my goodness, have they ever been effective? And, you know, they're going to have another huge assignment here. They got to try and shut down the likes of Point and Kucherov and Stamkos and Kalorn, and, you know, the list goes on. But, uh, Who's going to count them out at this point, right? They, they've they come all the way here. This, to me, Huss, this is not a group that's just happy to be here. Uh, and, you know, it, it, it's a great storyline for sure. A team that kind of everybody counted out, trying to bring the Cup back to Canada for the first time in almost three decades should be a whole lot of fun. And uh, I'm anxious to get going. I'll be, I'll be in the Bell Centre for games three and four. The border restrictions prevented me from going down to Tampa for one and two because I wouldn't have been able to get back up to Montreal without quarantine uh, in time for three because of the the rules. I will go back and forth across the border, though, if the series does go beyond four, because after July the 5th, for the double dose, uh, you can get back and forth without the quarantine. So, yeah, the Bell Centre should be rocking Friday night. Uh, Looking forward to it. I'll be on the ground in Montreal later tomorrow, and covering game two from Montreal and we'll see uh, what, what this whole series has in store for us. Well, we can't wait to hook up with you uh, from the cup final a little later on. Uh, What do you have coming up this week in the free press as uh, the series gets going? I imagine the story we talked about earlier will also be as somewhat in your thoughts. Yeah, for sure. We'll, we'll continue on that later today again with, with the commissioner, Gary Batman. I'm going to be writing on that again today and, and then once we hit the ground in Montreal, uh, lots of color. I mean, you saw the scenes outside Bell Center last week. Uh, um, you know, let's hope that there's no flipping of police cars or semi-rioting going on. But uh, hopefully it stays nice and peaceful. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to kind of seeing what, what life is like uh, in, in, I don't want to say a post-COVID world. COVID's still around in Quebec. Uh, maybe they're acting like it isn't, but uh, it should be an interesting scene for sure. Uh, a great, great comment here that I wanted to get you before you go uh, from Rob Mahoney. He said, hey, Mike, say hi to Peros in Montreal. He'll be the guy sitting next to Jeff Molson. Oh. <laughs> have, they, have they put Paris's jersey up in the rafters at Bell Center yet? Uh, the, way, the, the way some conspiracy theorists acted, you think that George Peros spent 15 years playing for the Habs. Uh, but, you know, look, I get the angst. 
if, if nothing else, the NHL has been completely inconsistent. They've been inconsistent with the officiating. They've been inconsistent when it comes to suspensions. And no doubt the Shifley suspension, uh, that's still going to sting for a while around here. No question. Well, I can tell you what. Anyways, had to laugh about that. Uh, all right, we'll get back to packing. Hope your family doesn't miss you too much, Mike. They won't. <laughs> uh, take care, pal. We'll talk to you from Montreal. You bet. All the best. There's Mike McIntyre, the Winnipeg Free Press. Make sure you're following Mike and um, check out his work in the paper. And he'll be reporting live from Montreal throughout the week. And uh, we'll look forward to catching up with him again in and around games three and four, where he'll be reporting for the Winnipeg Free Press. All right. We're going to have Travis Yost join us in just a couple minutes. want to thank our friends at Not Auto Corp for their great support of the program. If you're thinking about getting into a vehicle before you do anything, why not talk to the experts at Not about um, all the incredible selection they have and get a great deal on the car of your dreams over at Not Auto Corp at Waverly and McGilvery. Uh, You can also check out online everything that they've got going on right now. Check out maybe some of those Teslas they have on the lot. Um, And if you're looking at doing... If you're like a real car guy, the car lab is opening up soon when it comes to modifications and whatnot. It's going to be a real neat part of the business that's growing as well. All there at Not Autocorp. Check them out online at not.ca or pop down in person at Waverly and McGilvery and tell them that the Winnipeg Sports Talk guys sent you. All right. I mentioned this off the top of the program. Um, Big shout out to our friends at Little Brown Jug. Of course, the uh, Little Brown Jug is our uh, our favorite beer. Uh, we had a few on the weekend, and I saw many folks enjoying them around the city uh, and patios and decks and whatnot. Uh, and for Canada Day, they've got a lot going on this week. As we mentioned, the uh, new website's uh, been relaunched uh, easier than ever to order your favorite Little Brown Jug products. And that has been happening throughout the pandemic. Same-day home delivery and pickup orders available right now you can pick them up from the tap room which is back now open i know there was a lot of people around there on the weekend or they'll send it right to you and they're giving away little brown jug koozies on all home delivery and pickup orders from june 28th to july 3rd add a koozie to your order and use coupon code canada day on the checkout page visit the website for full details as i mentioned easier than ever to order your little brown jug brews for home delivery and don't forget you're going to want to try the summer lager. This is the hit of the summer, as well as the new Hefeweizen, both available in the summer variety pack. And uh, we got to give a shout out to Breezy Ben and a shout out to Harris English, who won the incredible playoff in the Travelers Championships against Kramer Hickok. Eight playoff holes. Harris English becomes the second winner. But talking golf, talking beer, why don't we talk about our contest that's coming up right now? Announced today, we just launched it on, the, on our Instagram page at Sports Talk WPG. We're going to do one this month and another one heading into the August long weekend. And uh, we've teamed up with Corey and the gang at Breezy Bend and our friends at Little Brown Jug for an awesome package where we're giving away a round of golf for four people, including carts at beautiful Breezy Bend, along with a Little Brown Jug merch package for our winner, including a golf visor, a polo for the winner, and four tulip glasses and koozies for the rest of the group. Each person in the group will uh, have a couple of cold Little Brown Jugs for you during the round, and probably one on the beautiful 19th hole patio at Breezy Bend afterwards. Very simple. you got to go to Instagram. Make sure you're following us. Remus has got the questions out. want to say uh, you know what you love about golf and tag a friend that would be in your foursome. We'll get all the entries in. 
Wednesday afternoon, heading into Canada Day, we will be doing our first ever Little Brown Jug Breezy Bend Marble Race. Uh, it should be great. I can't tell you. Um, you know, hit some balls recently. I'm getting ready to kind of get make my return to the course for the full 18. But the course is just in absolutely beautiful shape right now. So a great opportunity if you haven't been able to get out to Breezy. We'll send you there along with Little Brown Jug. So make sure to pop in on our Instagram page. Follow us, like us, and um, and answer it. And then if you're in, everyone's going to go into the Big Marble Race on Wednesday for that package. And if you don't win this time... Stay tuned because we'll have another one of these to give away head into August long weekend. So big thanks to Little Brown Jug and Breezy Bend and get to the Winnipeg Sports Talk Instagram page right now uh, for that. Uh, Let's get Michael Remus back in here for a minute. Hoping to have Travis Yost join us coming up in a little bit on the program. Um, Remo, we didn't touch Bombers going in. Uh, Still lots of news around the Canadian Football League with a number of retirements uh, of players. Hasn't been hit the Bombers quite as tough, although I guess the big one, of course, was um, Justin Medlock earlier this year, who will not be returning. And then you had his long snapper, Chad Rempel, going to the Edmonton Elks. So that that a very understated role is that long snapper and the connection with the kicker. Uh, we'll see what happens with the Bombers, but there will be some different looks. Uh, but it looks like we're going to be able to uh, talk about the season coming up. But we will not have, we will not unfortunately have that um, little, what do we call it? The controlled scrimmage between the Bombers and Riders coming up uh, in uh, a few weeks. That's a no-go right now. So we'll have to wait till the 5th of August for game number one as the Bombers host the Ticats in a Grey Cup rematch of the 2019 season. All right. It looks like we've hooked up with Travis Yost. Lots to get to with one of the great hockey minds. Always love having him on. You can check out his work at tsn.ca. Travis, welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk. Great to talk to you again. Great to talk to you guys as well. Every time you say great whatever, I assume you're introducing someone that is not me and something was woefully mistaken. Well, hey, listen, I mean, we've we've always had great conversations back on our old show on the old station on Pemina High, and I really enjoy your work. Hey, listen, before we start talking about the cup final, I know this is something you sort of weighed in on Twitter. Um, This story around the Chicago Blackhawks is, is stunning on so many levels right now. And I think an absolute black cloud for the league going into this cup final. As we mentioned, we are talking with Mike McIntyre earlier. Uh, we'll hear from Commissioner Gary Bettman coming up this afternoon. And, you know, usually it's about the league, where they're going forward, coming out of the pandemic, cap, all of those things. I can't imagine there's going to be uh, many stories that will get touched on more than this, what's going on right now. Just your take on what we've learned from the reporting right now and, and, and the situation going into game one tonight. Well, Andrew, you know, I hate to say this um, because it is unfortunately a stain on what should be um, the most important part of the NHL's calendar season. Um, But it would be nothing short of criminal if this were not the lead story basically throughout the series and beyond. I mean, the issue I have is twofold. Number one. There is an awful lot of information coming out. My, you know, my colleague Rick at TSN has done a great job on reporting on this um, and bringing a lot of the facts to the to light. I know the Athletic, Katie Strang, have been working on this story as well. Um, it is horrible. I, I encourage everyone to check it and read it. Um, it, it, it. The allegations that are being made, not even specific to what had happened, but also the Blackhawks and people in leadership roles within the Blackhawks organization. 
um, either knowing or should have known what was going on in their organization or in or around that time. Um, and we didn't hear a peep about it for 11 years, which is problem number one. Problem number two is now we're hearing about it. And it seems to me, um, and I'll be a little cynical for a moment here. It seems to me the people and the entities that are covering this story are either um, acutely involved in the in investigation piece on the journalism side um, or are independent parties who feel that there was a great wrong or many wrongs committed here and feel that this is something that needs to be addressed above everything else. I do not. And I, I, I have to say this. It is. And this is my own opinion. I think the coverage on this has really been lacking um, from a local and national level. Uh, and and I think the worst thing right now for the league, anyone involved in the league, the, the worst thing from here now is continuing to pretend that, you know, it's saying something like there's an ongoing investigation and that's the extent of what you're commenting um, and, and trying to memory hold this while your Stanley Cup plays out. That's not going to fly in 2021 and maybe in generations past could have gotten away with that. Um, but they should, they shouldn't try it, nor should they, nor should they consider it. Um, and, and this needs to be front of mind, front of page, front of center, unfortunately for the league right now, anything less than that, in my opinion, is completely unacceptable. Travis, I agree with you on that. And, and it was strange. I mean, we did, you know, we talked about this last week and Jeff Hamilton, who did such great reporting on the, uh, Graham James, um, the aftermath of the Graham James saga, uh, joined us on on Friday and we went through it. But up until that point, I mean, listen, I mean, if you've been watching the Stanley Cup playoffs here in Canada, I mean, you wouldn't have heard about it. I mean, on any of the broadcasts, any of the stories, um, has that been any different in the States? I mean, is this still just coming out from the Westheads and the athletic people? Or when you've been watching, you know, what NBC has been putting forth, has, has that been, has that been mentioned at all? And if not, why? Oh man. It, so this, I mean, this is unfortunately, and and I, I feel like we say this too frequently in the NHL circles. And obviously this is this is a a very large exception to the rule. But a lot of the times the league, it seems like, cannot get out of their own way. Um, and here's a great example, right? So you talk about the divide here and you've got Canadian coverage, uh, maybe on major networks is lacking. I'm going to tell you something right now. Um, the weakest part of the Stanley Cup playoffs uh, for the NHL has been the NBC broadcast. To say that NBC is checked out would be an understatement. Uh, they 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 don't even have pregame shows leading into pre, you know to game six, game seven type eliminations in the conference finals. I mean, it, when you're when you're getting that level of coverage, I mean, it's going to be uh, you know it, it would require nothing short of a miracle um, for these broadcast partners to get out and actually cover real real important stories like the what's going on in the Chicago Blackhawks organization right now and the allegations underpinning them. I it's not only has it not been mentioned, it it almost seems like the playoffs in the United States for NBC are are somewhat of an inconvenience. So I, I again and I and I hold all of us in that same bucket, right? The the fact that, you know, I, I don't think any of us have maybe done a good enough job to date on on bringing light to this um i can tell you that that will not be the case for me going forward and i i think that's true for the majority of people i just we have got to do a better job of furthering this discussion so that this sort of stuff does not happen i i get you always say the same thing spotlight is always the best disinfectant on this sort of stuff and 
I, there are people in the world who would prefer that this to go quietly into a corner, um, but I think the league is only better for it if it's addressed at all. Well, I mean, I think that <laughs> they wouldn't want it to go quietly since 2010 with the way that it was handled. Um, is there any way, sta- like, if everything that has been reported is fact um, and, you know, this is the investigation proves all of that, what happens to the people involved? I mean, I can't imagine that Stan Bowman could possibly be the general manager of the Chicago Blackhawks going to next season if all of this, as it's been reported, is true. Yeah, there's no, there's, there's no chance. There's just right, let's just let's say what it is. There is no chance that will happen if the facts and if the sorry if the allegations are confirmed and some of them already have been confirmed. Um, and if this reporting continues, I you know I don't think it's boogeyman to say that this seems to have the tentacles in all of the bad ways to some of the horror stories we've heard out of the U S gymnastics program, the Penn state program. I mean, it, this has the potential to really rocket up in terms of how bad, how severe and how subsequently how punitive um, the league is going to have to be to not only address this, but to ensure that something like this can never happen, never happen again. I mean, say what you will about the allegations, say what you will about the claims. I, we, we don't even need to adjudicate anything at this point. The fact that we are only hearing about this 11 years later is already a failure for the NHL. And there's no other there doesn't need to be a but if and or any sort of exception or qualifier put onto that sentence. That is a failure. That is already a problem. And to the extent that more of the de- these details are going to be confirmed um, I think you're going to see some quick investigatory work. I think the league is already trying to is, is in you know is, is in a bit of recovery mode, um, and I think this is unfortunately going to end the careers of of you know more than a few people that are involved. And quite frankly, if they were involved, it should end their careers. I mean, that, any accepting anything less than that would would I think uh, be a mark on on the hockey community. Well, and, 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 you know, Travis, just one more on this before we get to the final. And this is something we talked about with Jeff. And, I mean, he had done so much research on, you know, what the victims went through from Graham James, how this happened for as long as it did. The fact that this reportedly happened to NHL players on a cup-winning team in the middle of the playoffs in 2010, and we're here finding this out right now, I think has to be chilling because – you know, if that can happen to pros, men in that situation, in the best league in the world, well, what's the potential of this happening at lower levels where, you know, and, and we've seen it so many, happened so many times before, you know, with these horror stories of 15 and 16 year olds who, you know, these predators at times have, you know, these kids futures, a huge influence on the future. I mean, it, it's just staggering that this could happen. And and what does that say about the potential for it to, to happen in other areas of the sport? Um, Listen, this is more than just an NHL story, I'd say, despite the fact that, you know, we're talking about a Stanley Cup champion team. And I think that's what blew so many people away when they when they read it the first couple of times. There, there's no doubt. Um, I have been very ignorant on um let's say the power dynamic part of, of how this stuff can play out. And I, you know, I've learned, I've tried to educate myself over the years and, you know, I think we're all still learning, but if there, if nothing else, I think you said it correctly. We, the, the league just got a, a, a shock um, of, of the highest order and highest magnitude, which is professional athletes, adult professional athletes, merely because of a power dynamic component within an organization um, were put into a situation where they could be victimized 
uh, by a predator. Uh, and, and to your point earlier about the potential of this happening at lower levels, I would say it's the reality of it happening at lower levels. And that is the scary part. And that is why as these events do come to light and as facts do come out, the people involved in these communities, you know, the hockey community or any professional sport or any industry for that matter, you have to carry an exceptionally high bar of expectations. And every time someone or an organization falls short of it, it reprimand and action needs to be serious and punitive because for us as a community, as a broader community, this is a hard red line. And if we don't enforce this and don't make this a minimum expectation at every single level, it creates a culture and environment ripe for this sort of crap. Um, and and I think I think this is where the NHL, again, working out of a position of weakness because it's only the only thing that they know how to do in in, in these situations. They have another opportunity here to get out in front of what seems to be an increasingly horrific story address it head on and show what leadership looks like when you do run into these events. What are you going to do about the organization? What are you going to do for the people involved? I think every eye in the hockey community this summer and beyond um, is going to be on the Chicago Blackhawks organization. And I think we should expect that to be the case. Well, I'll tell you what, first and foremost, it's going to be on the commissioner of the National Hockey League, Gary Bettman. He speaks this afternoon with the state of the league address heading into game one of that cup final. Travis Yost with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Uh, Travis, let's get to this series. Um, I'll ask you about the Habs. I mean, many people here in Winnipeg, you know, we're feeling pretty good about the Jets going into that series. And uh, we all know it wasn't close. Shifley was lost. But, I mean, you sort of realize just how effective the Habs were at shutting down their opposition. But I don't think anyone expected that they could do the, the way they did against the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, how impressed have you been with Montreal? How have they done it? And are they a legitimate, th- a legitimate threat to the Tampa Bay Lightning when we drop the puck tonight in a best of seven? Yes, they are a threat, though. Let's let's work in reverse order. And I will say that I have been, I, like everyone else, deeply impressed by what Montreal has done, especially off the puck in the neutral zone and in the defensive third. Um, I I said I I really had two, I think, critical takeaways from their their third round series over Vegas. I'll, I'll go at them in, in order. Number one. They shut down. I mean, they completely made Mark Stone and his line a non-factor. And now there was a Chandler Stevenson injury in there. I hear all that. But Mark Stone, one of the maybe the best, I think he is the best two-way forward in the league, um, was a complete non-factor in the series. That's number one. Number two, two series before that, they also shut down inarguably the best goal scorer of the season in Austin Matthews. And Austin Matthews and Mark Stone could not be fundamentally more different players, yet Montreal was able to tailor defensive structure to eliminate a lethal goal scorer and the type of player who can give you absolute fits in the defensive third, forcing turnovers um, and creating just clusters of scoring opportunities that, you know, that invariably breaks defensive, you know, blue lines and goaltenders over the course of a series. That was by far the most impressive. The penalty killing component of what Montreal is doing is also, I, I think, the most under noticed, underreported story. I mean, everyone's talking about the penalty kill, and yet I still don't think it's getting enough attention. I mean, they have the potential to have the best penalty kill in the playoffs we have seen in the modern era, which is not an insignificant finding. I mean, to date, 
to date, if you compare Montreal through the first three rounds against that 2011-2012 puck dominant, we're going to outshoot you 50-19 to every night Los Angeles Kings team that from the eight seed won the Stanley Cup. Montreal is right now showing a better penalty kill than that LA Kings team put on the ice. And that LA Kings team's penalty kill was the, you know, the, the Mount Rushmore. It was the Abe Lincoln of this is what you want your penalty kill to be, how to attack puck carriers, how to hold that line, um, how to force chances on the, on the, you know, on, on the counter attacking opportunities as they present themselves. I think all of that is still in play against Tampa. The one problem that I see for the Canadians is this. Even in the series against Vegas, where there were plenty of times they looked the better team, right? This wasn't just a pure, hey, we just got you know very timely scoring and our goaltender stood on his head. There were stretches where Montreal did look the better team. There's no doubt about that. It felt and still feels like Montreal has capitalized on every scoring chance that they have had, especially in their under, underdog series against Toronto and Vegas. And that is what you need to engineer upsets, but relying on, I mean, if you look at their goal scoring sequences against Vegas, for example, in the, in the, in the third round series, you know, Vegas couldn't create much of anything in terms of offense, neither could Montreal. And that's kind of lost, I think in the weeds a little bit. The only time Montreal did was really on rushes and counterattacks, and they were brilliant in those windows. Will that exist against Tampa? Can they still convert on 30% of those counterattacking opportunities? I think that's one area to be skeptical and why you'd still have Tampa Bay as, as the series favorite here. Um, but I, if nothing else, Montreal has shown that they can play with these teams. Well, and you mentioned, I mean, the penalty killing has just been, I mean, historically great. I mean, as you sort of just laid out, Tampa's got a pretty incredible power play uh, though as well. And you'd have to imagine that that matchup in particular could be um, in some ways, the foundation. I mean, Montreal is going to need to shut down the Tampa power play if they want to win this series and raise the cup. This is the wrinkle, right? Like, I can I can sit here and make an argument that Vegas would have slash did give Montreal more problems at five on five than Tampa might. I and I and I really mean that. I think in the realm of outcomes, Vegas could be a tougher team at five on five. I'll tell you where they're not a tougher team. Their power play had completely disintegrated by games five and six to the point where it, you know, it was like watching your six-year-old on the ice where no one is moving. The puck is stagnant. There's no goaltender movement whatsoever. I mean, they were never going to score on Carey Price, and they didn't on the power play. Um, that, If you watch the Tampa Bay power play, if nothing else, even when they're cold, that puck is whipping around east to west. Nikita Kucherov, his ability to move the puck – I, I, there is not another player like him in the league, the way he distributes the puck. Braden Point is on absolute fire. I mean, I don't need to go through the gamut of scores on the Tampa Bay roster. Montreal is going to have their hands full. But that is going to be the one defining difference for Montreal when they say, okay, we have another really tough opponent here, maybe the toughest of all. What challenge do they bring that we haven't seen? Well, that's going to be power play integrity. I mean, Vegas at best has an average power play, and they completely eliminated them. The Tampa Bay power play is as good, as good as Montreal's penalty kill has been. Um, this is the, I think, defining matchup of the series. I think you said it right. Now, um, you know, we saw the Lightning um, handle the Islanders in a you know, game seven scenario that was tight all along. The game itself wasn't didn't seem that close. Um, but again, they're comfortable in these close games. They're comfortable in the low scoring games. 
If you're Montreal and you look at Tampa, I mean, what is the path to victory? What What's the best way for the Montreal Canadiens to get over on Tampa and win the first game, never mind winning four? I think, it, I think it looks a lot like the Vegas series, right? I mean, Vegas and Tampa might be very, very different teams, but let's 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 walk it back, right? You're still talking about two of the five best even strength teams in the league. You're still talking about two of the deepest, maybe two of the three, two of the two deepest teams in the league at the forward position um, with with a an elite, an elite first line that's on the very short list of best first lines in the league. I think you're going to see Montreal follow the similar recipe of they're going to throw the Philip Deneau line at Nikita Kucherov as much as practically possible. They're going to try and slow down that Tampa top line. And they need, not not they, they, they should or they're going to angle to, they need to win the special teams battle in order to have a shot in this in this championship. They can get away with a couple of Tampa Bay power play goals over the course of the series, but likely not much more than that. Especially the way this series that you know the playoffs have been officiated. One, it's been all over the place, but two, you know these opportunities are going to be relatively few and far between. Um, that that doesn't give Montreal a lot of scoring opportunities. Again, not a great five on five scoring team. Um, really relying on timely and opportunistic scoring in the playoffs. Tampa Bay is going to get a handful of opportunities every time that they've had those air quote handful of opportunities over the course of this year, over the course of the playoffs, they have scored and in some cases scored relentlessly. That eight nothing game against the Islanders was as shock and awe as anything I think we've seen. So that, that to me is, is key. Like if, 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 if Montreal's penalty kill regresses kind of towards league average or even back to, you know, maybe they give up four or five power play goals over the course of the series. I don't think they win that series. I, I just don't think they can make it up elsewhere. They have to shut down Tampa Bay's top forwards. And, you know, I, we, we've seen Columbus do it a few years back. But since then, that, that really has not been accomplishable by any team. It's the Columbus series. They've never even lost two games in a row in the playoffs, which has <laughs> been go. pretty uh, pretty incredible. Travis Yost with us. Uh, Travis, well, I've got you here in Winnipeg. I'm sure people would love your thoughts on the Jets. Uh, what did you make of how they were bounced so quickly by Montreal after that exciting sweep of Edmonton? And if you're Kevin Sheveldayoff, um, where are you starting going into this offseason? Yeah, I don't... That that series, I, if there's one team of the 16 teams that it's very, very hard to get a read on in terms of what you should conclude, it's probably Winnipeg, right? Like, at least with St. Louis, it was like, yeah, they only had a cup of coffee in the playoffs because they weren't good. Um, I, that's not true for Winnipeg, right? Winnipeg was good, and Winnipeg showed plenty in the Edmonton series where you can point to it and say, hey, look, there's your building blocks. Like, they actually played some sound sound structured defensive hockey like the you know the Edmonton top line did get scoring chances but they it was the very bend but didn't break uh defensive structure Connor Elbuck was was very capable won that goaltending matchup head on um they go into the second round the Shifley hit I mean it, there's no point litigating it was just a completely brainless play I mean it is what it is um he's not the I, I expect him to learn from that and not, not not have that happen again but you know I, I go back to that because there is a way that you could convince yourself that that play completely just it, it, it had a almost a shock and awe feel for the Winnipeg lineup, which we know was not a super deep team still. Um, I, I, I don't think they ever got over Shifley's absence, number one. And number two, once I thought Montreal started building the momentum and started showing that defensively they could squeeze these Winnipeg forwards all day long, 
I thought Winnipeg lost a lot of jump and just were playing out the string. And by the way, they're not alone in that. Like I thought, um, I thought Vegas the following round, um, it was increasingly frustrated by how Montreal was able to squeeze them out, especially out of the interior, forcing them to the, you know, deep on the wall, like up to the blue line for any of their scoring, you know, any of the few scoring chances they would have on net. Um, that sort of stuff is really paralyzing. So if you look at it from a coaching staff perspective and you go ahead and into the summer, it's like, what do you take the good from the Edmonton series? Or do you take the bad from the Montreal series? And the truth is obviously both. I mean, they, they were, they were, they showed better than I think we thought in the Edmonton series and worse against Montreal. Ultimately, this is uh, in Winnipeg though. This is a story about continuing to build depth, right? Like they, they this team, the, the mere fact that when Shifley came out of the lineup, they did not look particularly competitive against what we would have considered maybe a slightly above average team in Montreal. Um, that was the most concerning. Um, there are teams in the playoffs who can lose a star player and still look competitive. Um, Winnipeg is obviously not in that position yet. And I think what you're going to see a lot this summer is a focus on depth. Yeah. Well, and, and the focus on depth, it's interesting you say that because look, Montreal has been rolling four lines and I'm not sure at any point, if you could really identify who their top line is and who their fourth line is certainly compared to, you know, what it says on the sheet as to how, how they play. Travis, we're going into um, a flat cap summer coming off unprecedented financial damage to the league through the pandemic. What is the play of the Corey Perry's, the Jason Spetzes and whatnot, like these veteran guys coming in on super cheap deals and how important they've been in the playoffs? How do you think that's going to affect the market in the offseason, which already was really squeezing the middle and lower class of free agents? I think you're going to see that continue, um, at least for the next couple of years, because the reality is these teams are still going to find out ways, figure out ways, even in a flat cap or even in a marginally reversing cap. Um, I, teams are still going to figure out ways to pay the superstars of this league. I mean, the, 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 even in the NHL, where stars may mean the least of any of the four major sports, um, they still mean an awful lot, right? Like take Connor McDavid out of Edmonton. What is Edmonton, right? Nothing. Um, they and and that's true for most of the high high end players in the league. But I think that creates this vacuum or this groundswell where you're going to have a lot of guys in that salary compressed range who may be looking for a year or two. You know, I think back like five seven years ago. Could you have gotten? You know, could you have? Could you have landed Corey Perry on the contract he's playing on in Montreal right now for a guy who's really just in the twilight of his career, playing out the string? maybe just chasing cups at this point and nothing more than that. I don't think you can bring in Corey Perry that cheap. I don't think you can bring in some of these guys on third and fourth lines. We just saw Jason Spezza re-up again in Toronto for a very similar contract. I think a lot of teams are going to spend the offseason trying to find these veterans who still want to give it another shot or two, give them, give them some degree of comfort that they're on a path to at least playoff hockey, if not deep playoff hockey. Um, and, and work out the economics so that, you know, because I think what you're going to hear from a lot of these, you know, cup chasing type players is they're willing to play at pretty steep discounts if it means your team is good and they have a chance at winning a title, right? Like I, and again, I think maybe that was a little bit of a stretch for Corey Perry going to Montreal, but it's not like Montreal was a bad team and that guy can go in there, sign a relatively cheap deal or any player for that matter and expect that the organization can then use the rest of their cap aggressively on the guys who are going to drive the bus. Um, again, there's only a certain number of those players available out in the market, but I think you're going to see continued bidding for them for the next couple of years. You know, Leighton in chat was asking about Phil Deneau, and Deneau is one of the most fascinating players heading into free agency, and that 
you know, he's not a prolific scorer at all, at all, Travis, um, and hasn't been scoring at a high rate even in these playoffs, but he has been invaluable at shutting down the top players on the other teams. Um, what's the value of Phil Deneau when we get to free agency? I think Phil Deneau is going to get paid. I think he's going to be north of $5 million a year, um, and, and I know that seems high for a player um, who really scores like a tweener third and fourth liner, and he does. Um, but the... The sport has changed, and one of the ways that the sport has changed is we have gotten a little bit better, a little bit better, about understanding the true value that some of these players players can create defensively. Um, I, it's not lost on me the irony of Phil Deneau on way en route to his his big, you know, dream contract that he's going to sign this summer, shut down the player. Um, in Mark Stone, who has become kind of the baton carrier of the previously Ryan O'Reilly, previously Patrice Bergeron, previously Pavel Datsuk, like, hey, these guys are great, and they're actually really great because look at the defensive impact they have on their teams. Look at what they can do to opposition forwards, especially top-end forwards, and look what sort of goal differentials they can drive your team over the course of the NHL. Uh, over the course of an NHL season, right? Like it's it's one thing to get your hands on the guy who can score 50 goals. It's another thing to get your guy hands on a guy who can score maybe 20 goals, but you know, scoring against him is next to impossible, right? And Patrice Bergeron really became the guy um it's a to kind of solidify like hey, this player now, Bergeron scored, obviously, a lot more than Deneau did at respective points of their careers. But I think people have started to understand, even from a data standpoint, like, oh, there's real value and real money here. You're going to see teams invest in Deneau. Like, it's not – even if you're bearish on where his offensive game is and maybe you don't want to go north of five, I and I, and I, I think that's a legitimate argument, you still have to look on his net impact over the last few seasons. Montreal's been a better team with him on the ice than not. And look what he's done this postseason. It gets Austin Matthews, Mark Stone, the Winnipeg top line. I, I know they were a little bit battered too, but like he's 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 three for three here at this point. And I, I think a lot of the defensive success there has really been born off his lawn. Travis, this has been a great chat. Enjoy the finals. Thanks so much for doing this. And uh, hopefully we can catch up again as we uh, get in around expansion draft time, heading into free agency. It will be a very interesting offseason in the NHL. All right, any anytime. Take care, Andrew. Appreciate it. There he is, Travis Yost. Follow him on Twitter, at Travis Yost, and check out his work. Got a great piece up on the ridiculously successful Montreal power play. You can check that out at tsn.ca. Well, as I mentioned, City turned into a big beer garden on Saturday when things got opened up. Uh, we had people in parking lots. We had packed patios. And, of course, the Boston pizza patios were rocking. And uh, not only... Was it, um, you know, just maybe, uh, you know, a few beers, some little brown jugs. But the new summer menu is here at Boston Pizza. They've got the Burger Italiano available. And I, I got to try this. The Honey Dill Fried Chicken Sandwich. That's, and that's a national item. Um, sounds like it started here in Winnipeg, considering uh, the inclusion of the Honey Dill sauce. Uh, they've also got the Bulldog Fish, uh, Bulldog Margarita Fish Bowls, White Sangria sash, Smash, Peachy Mojito Royales. And busy hard seltzers available. Oh, and don't forget the Galaxy Fish Bowl. Summer is here at Boston Pizza. I don't know if you can see that very well, but um, pop by there, get a patio table, 
meet up with some friends that we haven't been able to do for a long time. And uh, you can always just get those amazing Boston pizza wings or a pizza flight as well. Great to have Boston pizzas open again for more than just takeout and delivery. We'll see you soon, gang, over at BP. I'm shout out to Aikens Lake. Cannot wait to get out there a little bit later on this summer. But if you're looking for a world-class fly-in fishing option here in Manitoba, where you can be on the water in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg, Aikens Aikens Lake is the place to do it. Find out more online, AikensLake.com, or hit Pit Turan up on Twitter at Aikens Lake, and maybe we'll see you out at Aikens a little later on. Got to give a shout out to Pete Tessier, who is a uh, friend of ours through Twitter and certainly on the program. I think Pete was out at Aikens on the weekend, so uh, very jealous about that. We'll have some picks in a couple of weeks when uh, when we get out there. And of course, it is Monday, and that means. We are back with live racing at Assiniboia Downs. The duel at the Derby continues for between Michael Remus and myself. We'll get to those picks in just a few minutes. Parade to post tonight, 720. ASD Live goes at 645 with Kurt Stretch and Marshall, who will break down all the races, give you some tips and insight on this evening's races. And you can follow it all and watch their show on the Assiniboia Downs YouTube page. Uh, or on their site at asdowns.com. And, of course, you can bet the races with us at hpibet.com. All the racing at Assiniboia Downs. You can watch it there as well, as well as tracks from all around the world. All right, great stuff with Mike and Travis Yost. Michael Remus joins us uh, back. And, Remo, just at the end of that in, uh, interview with Travis, I noticed you put a little uh, a little ditty on uh, a potential larger crowd in Montreal that uh, obviously a lot of people are working on very hard to try and have more than the 3,500 currently allowed by the Quebec government. Yeah, thanks for having me in. Uh, great talking with Travis. Brought the uh, some awesome insight uh, until just the playing style. He's one of my favorites. He's always um, been one of my favorites well, to talk to. Funny guy yeah. and uh, great, great insight. Yeah, so uh, that was awesome. And so I had to tell you right away that he wasn't going to be uh, on video. But, I mean, with fire takes like that, I don't know if he could handle handle the video <laughs> there. But uh, it was Eric Angles uh, of Sportsnet was just reporting that they're, you know, the Canadians say they haven't heard anything yet about boosting attendance. They want to get to 10,500 for game three. Uh, they can't confirm anything. So they're trying. We don't know. Right now it's, what, 3,500 people? Uh, but wait and see. I did see a report. I think it was Chris Johnston. Wrote Tampa's getting up to 16,500 for tonight's game. Um, so maybe you can get a couple uh, a couple extra tickets. And we did have one other note from Elliot Friedman during that. A lot, it's fun. Oh, sorry, sixteen three hundred. They're incre- increasing capacity. I don't know. If they found room, or I d- or they you know had a limit. I have no idea. But Elliot Friedman did report. Um, he's coming out with his thirty one thoughts. Nothing finalized. Word in Toronto, working on an extension with Wayne Simmons sounds positive. So there's a couple, you know, you, a couple notes during this last hour here that uh, are just breaking. Well, yeah, and I'm interested to see what Elliot's got in 31 Thoughts. As I mentioned on the podcast, they I think they'd sort of recorded it and were really talking about the game. And then, you know, there was a lot of pushback as to how this Hawks story hasn't really been talked about very much. Um, so he and Merrick kind of recorded something to begin the podcast where we talked about it and did say that it would be covered in the 31 Thoughts piece mm-hmm. today. So certainly, uh, yeah. you know, Friedman, They're- one of the most respected um, insiders and hockey journalists around. I think a lot of people interested. And, you know, 
you know, listen, Sportsnet is the national rights holder. Um, and I think that was maybe a little bit of the the heat that those guys were getting. But there's no doubt that Elliot Friedman's going to be all over it. So um, we'll uh, we'll look forward to that as soon as it comes out with any additional reporting. But yeah, I mean, I think the credit for this really needs to go to the Katie Strangs, uh, the folks in Chicago on the ground, Ben Pope. Um, Scott Wheeler, I know, has done uh, done work on that. Mark Lazarus was the one with the report today about the investigation, the independent yeah. investigation that's going to be put together by that group. So, um, you know, this story isn't going away at all. And with everyone together speaking with the commissioner today, I imagine that this story really is going to dominate a lot of the headlines, despite the fact that cup final game number one goes tonight in Tampa. Believe it or not, in the last 20 minutes, Rick Westhead has a new story uh, with TSN detailing uh, emails that he sent with the player named as John Doe in the lawsuit. Um, the player says, every day is a work in progress. It comes when I wake up and much worse when trying to fall asleep, especially in light of all the activity now. I have not come to terms with it. It's ongoing. I don't think I ever, I will ever fully come to terms with it. So uh, he says the player has told his family and is still struggling 11 years later with long-term effects of sexual abuse. So... Um, Rick Westhead doing some incredible reporting, and that's on tsn.ca or his Twitter at rwesthead. That is, uh, wow. Well, I'll look forward to getting into that once we're finished the program today. Um, listen, before we get to the cool bet lines for today, uh, as I mentioned, from the weekend, Italy, Czech Republic with a big upset, Denmark, Belgium, and now Spain have moved on to the eights. We've got France and Switzerland playing right now. France, a significant favorite. And they're down one nothing to the Swiss right now. Still lots of time, just 30 minutes into the game. But I do see Gitch, uh, Sean Gitch-Lishka here in the chat right now. And you know he's sweating this one out. He's got a crazy, crazy ticket at Coolbet through the weekend that had the Czech upset, one of the ties. And now this should be the gimme game. France to win. <laughs> right now, they're down one nothing. We'll follow that. And uh, tomorrow, of course, we'll get ready for England and Germany, uh, which will be kicking off uh, as we are doing the program. Should be a great, great one as the uh, the Euro continues. Italy through. They'll be playing uh, the first round of the eights coming up beginning on Friday. And we'll have something more on that. Maybe we'll do something early on the Friday show. Uh, yeah, just a quick heads up on the programming for the week before we get to these uh, cool bet lines. Ooh, Canada Day is Thursday, so we won't have a show, but we will be back on Friday. We won't be taking a four-day long weekend, so we will have a program on Friday with the latest on the Cup Final going into Game 3, as well as the weekend. And uh, obviously CPL going on right now with the big win for Valor. Lots of soccer to get to, so it will be a very, very busy week. All right, uh, as far as those, well, let's get to Euro as we as we talk about it right now. Uh, France, Switzerland, as we mentioned, Switzerland is up right now. One nothing tomorrow, though, England versus Germany, England plus 159 favorite. A draw is plus 230 and Germany is plus 202 and Sweden and Ukraine. Oh, that's that's an early game tomorrow, actually, England, Germany. So that'll be done by the time we get on unless there is extra time. And then the final game of the round of 16 tomorrow is Sweden and Ukraine. Sweden, pretty significant favorite, plus 142. Ukraine, plus 243. The other games are set right now. First round of eight is Friday, Belgium, Italy. And then the Czech Republic and Denmark go on Saturday. Now over to the Stanley Cup final. Here we go. Tampa tonight, minus 196 favorite to win. 
And if you like them on the puck line to win by two, that's plus 144. Habs have been an underdog the entire time. Why would anything change now? Plus 172 on the series, uh, on game number one. Series price, Tampa, minus 278. Montreal, plus 225. And that's quite interesting. Obviously, people have woken up to the Montreal Canadiens because they were about 5-1 to underdogs to beat Vegas. And the Vegas number was something ridiculous, like minus 900. So uh, it's coming back to a little bit more normal territory right now. But Remus Tampa Bay is still a favorite. And that shouldn't surprise anyone considering the path they've got to be here. And I think the fact that this number is what it is is more to... You know, a, a hat tip to the Montreal Canadiens and just what they've been able to do against teams that, you know, on paper were uh, overmatching them, especially Vegas. Yeah, I agree with you, Hassan. I mean, you look at some of the analytics, um, you know, again, I referenced Dom earlier, but I think he's a pretty sharp guy. And I saw some projections. I mean, Tampa, overwhelming favorite, but... I mean, Montreal's been an underdog in every series, and here they are in the Stanley Cup final. So I don't think... I think you can look at the numbers... Um, what some people are saying, but I mean, use your eyes and see, see what we've seen. You know, you look at the way Montreal plays with their big defense and their shutdown. You know, the way they've shut down so many top scorers, like uh, Travis mentioned. You know, maybe they can do it again. Maybe Carey Price gets hot. Maybe they're finishing like we've seen with Col- Cole Caulfield, who goes what top shelf every time. Isn't that isn't that his line? Has we've all seen the video <laughs> of him like as a sixteen year old in that uh, post game interview. So. I mean, they've uh, they've looked good, so maybe they can keep it up. But Vasilevsky, he's also an illegal. Oh, I think it's for my doorbell. Hold on, one sec. Maybe should, should, should I go? Do you do you really need to answer it? I mean, why are you expecting an important uh, an important delivery? Well, if you'd like to go for that, I'll hit some of these other numbers okay, for you the, hit uh, the, for the series spread. One sec, one sec. Um, total games is interesting for uh, for it. Um, if you think that it's going to be a sweep by either team. Uh, it's plus 500, so 5-1 to one on that. Under 5.5 games, so a 4-5 or five game series, regardless of who wins, plus 118. Um, and then uh, over, and if you think it's going to go to 7, uh, regardless of who wins, plus 255 on that. Um, we've also got a number of props, uh, like Cole Caulfield, total goals in series, 1.5. Over is minus 105. Under is minus 127. Nick Suzuki, total goals in the series. That number's at two, plus 135 on that. Let's look at some of the, uh, some of the, the Braden points. Interesting. I mean, he's been a goal scoring machine. Was he a 14 goal so far in these, in these playoffs over 2.5 is plus is even money under 2.5 minus 133. Um, Yanni Gourds in there was 0.5 overs plus 155. And Steven Stamkos, he's got a total points total of four and a half. Over is minus 112 and under is minus 118. You can go to you can go to um, cool bet. They've got all these. They've also got an interesting prop for tonight to score the first goal in the series. So essentially goal number one of game number one. Uh, Braden Point is plus 850. Kucherov is nine to one. Stamkos 11 to one. Then you've got Kafoli, Suzuki, Alex Kalorn, Palat, Cole Caulfield 15 to one. Gallagher 15 to one. 
and Josh Anderson, 17 to 1. Uh, if you do want to play and you haven't been at Cool Bet already, whether you're going to get on the Euro or the Cup Final or some baseball, uh, simply go to coolbet.com, put in the promo code WST. It will double your first bonus with 100% bonus up to $200 over at coolbet.com. Just make sure you use the promo code WST. We should mention today is also the first day of Wimbledon. And uh, coming up in just a little while, Felix Auger Aliassime, the Canadian, will be going. He's a huge favorite, minus uh, 11 11 uh, to win. And I believe our boy Chapo is also going at it today, unless he's already on the court or playing. But uh, both of the young Canadians getting out in the first round, both seeded. I believe Shapovalov is 10th seed, and Auger Aliassime is the 16th seed. Yeah, and Shapovalov plays Philip Kohlschreiber a little later on. He is minus 333 in uh, in his next match. So uh, Wimbledon getting going. We'll have to get John Horn on at some point over the next little bit to uh, get the latest on all the Canadians out at the All-England Tennis Club. Remus, did you spend all weekend envisioning more wins on the track for uh, the Monday slate of live racing or what? Yeah, my um, my last week was really rough. So I kind of, you know, took a mental break trying to reset and nice. and come back in. And and by rough, I mean that's I mean I I didn't lose, but I didn't win. So um I'm trying to do a mental reset. You and, were just treading water in. last week, treading water. Basically, yeah, basically treading water. So I've kind of I didn't really think about it and now that I'm here for racing, it's fine. I'm going to a Stanley I got invited to a outdoor you know, watch party for game one. I was like, hey, during intermission, guys, we should uh, throw down on a Cinnaboy Downs. I'm just like, anytime <laughs> we have a gathering, it's like, guys, you can bet on horse racing anytime at HPI Bet. It's uh, it's unbelievable. You don't, I've been missing out on this thing for years. So uh, I'm, I am fired up uh, for racing tonight. Well, we'll uh, we'll get right to it. Let's get to some picks. Um, uh, wh- wh- where you got? Where are you going, my friend? Uh, what uh, what do you have teed up for us tonight? Okay, so I had some good picks last week. Let me just remember them, uh, real quick. But yeah, hpibet.com uh, is the website, and you have to make sure you select your track as a Cinnaboy Downs. And I'm just pulling it up right here. It is under my favorites, so it's easy to bring up every single time. Uh, uh here we are. So race. Here, why don't you go? You go first, so I can get this thing okay, ready to okay. go, and then I can in, copy your picks after. No, just kidding. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know why you would do that, considering how far ahead you are of me so far. But you're right. This is the turnaround. We now get to this point, and this is when it's like you know NFL season. You have three or four weeks where you're getting killed, and then you start hitting the ground, and you win all your bets going forward. That's my plan. Um, I'm gonna go with just a straight two dollar triactor in race number one with one then five, then two. In that order, $2 bet, a one five two triactor. Then we're going to race number two, and I'm going to put three bucks on number three. Is that right? Three Wolowitz uh, to win. Uh, race number three, we're going with a one two Quinella with Catalina Dreamin' and Tis Priceless. I'm going to go five bucks on that. Race four, we are throwing $4 on number two to win. He's a lady tamer. Interesting name for the horse. He's a lady tamer. We're going with uh, $2 to win for 4 bucks, And then the daily triactor wheel. Race number five. We've got eight horses in the race. We're going to take 
Factored in number two, Wits Dollar Knight number three, and L Chairman number five, and put two, three, and five on a six dollar triactor box, one dollar each way. That's how I'm putting twenty bucks down tonight, Remo. What uh, what do you got cooking? Yeah, I think we're on some similar ones. I'm starting on race four. Uh, I have number two. He's a lady tamer to place. Uh, so I think you also mentioned that horse, did you not? Uh, I did. Yes, I thought. I thought. Sorry, I wasn't uh, giving my full attention. I was making sure I had my picks ready and the screen ready to go as well. Race five at nine thirty-five. I have a Quinella horse three, Wits Dollar Knight and five L Chairman. I believe you were had part of that in a tractor. Yeah, box those two well. are also in my tractor along with two. So, so we're kind of on this. It's funny we don't talk about this before, but it's funny we're on the same. Kind of on the same page with some of these races. Uh, that should be good for you, Huss, because I have such a winning record tonight. <laughs> and then uh, number six, uh, horse eight, Rascal Candy, I have to win. Uh, and that is, so I have $5 on the two on the place and the win and $10 on that Juanella. So we'll wait and see. Hopefully I'm back in the uh, W column tonight because, I, again, I just traded water last well- week. We'll have more picks tomorrow and Wednesday as live racing is Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And they did put out a tweet on the weekend that the dining room is open again. Now, the VLTs aren't on. I imagine that'll change things significantly for Assiniboia Downs when um, VLTs are turned back on here in the province. I know a lot of bars that, you know, essentially really lean on VLTs for a lot of their activity as well as revenue haven't reopened um, as long as the VLTs aren't on. Certainly, it's a huge part of what happens out at Assiniboia Down. So when that happens, I think things will change a little bit. And we'll await word in the next couple of weeks on hopefully some loosening of restrictions that will allow us to go to Assiniboia Downs. And we'll certainly be having a, a fun Winnipeg Sports Talk gathering at some point before that. All right, Remo, a couple things we need to get to before we finish up the program coming out of the weekend. Um, I guess first off, I uh, I will announce something. Today, after the program, I will be realizing a lifelong dream. Today, and it will not be broadcast yet, but coming soon to a television set near you, yours truly will realize the lifelong dream of doing color commentary for professional wrestling. That's right. The CWE adrenaline tapings are going on. And I got the call on the weekend that I've been waiting decades for us. We might need you in the booth to do a little co- a color along with Dave Patrician, the sports doctor on CWE. So I will be getting into the booth tonight. We will be doing calling for a number of wrestling shows coming up to television. I promise you, uh, whenever the YouTube's out, we'll be putting that out. You'll be able to watch it, I believe, on Shaw Television, too. I'll find out when it's all happening. But, uh, Remo, you've known me for a long time. I texted you on the weekend. Rarely do I get as excited about something like this. But, in fact, it is happening. And uh, I'm, I'm still deciding whether I should be the heel announcer or a good guy announcer. But trust me, I've, got a, I've been waiting for this for a long time. I will be ready, regardless of the character that they want me to go. This is an incredible news. Uh, CWE Canada on Twitter, CWECanada.ca. We are big supporters of the local promotion by Hotshot Danny Dagen. Uh, we've been to some of their events. Uh, I was blown away by uh, the performances. 
This is some it's great so professional fun. wrestling. It's it so is fun. Very fun. So I'm I'm very happy to hear that you're going to be, uh, what are you, rocking a headset, Mike? Uh, be careful. I mean, someone could go through that announce table during during the broadcast. So I, I hope <laughs> that that happened. I mean, that is a dream. I've always wanted to have to get the hell out of the way as someone is about to go through the table that I was using for work purposes. So um, we'd often talked about, uh, you know, putting uh, you or Ezzy or somebody through a table mm-hmm. back at the old TSN days. Never did happen. But maybe I will see it front uh, front and center. So anyways, that's exciting. Going to have some fun with that. Um, but speaking of wrestling, Remus, the be- uh, there's two things we need to get to from the internet before the end of the program. And the first bit has a wrestling theme to it. Uh, first off, what are your where, where's your take on gender reveals? Did you do a big over-the-top gender reveal to let everyone know that you were having a boy when you had your first child, Reem? No, we talked about it and... I think the only gender reveal was my wife and I at home opening an envelope and seeing the gender. That was that was a, all the surprise I needed. I no, not even to, a, not even a reaction video or anything like that. We, we didn't film, a, set up a camera, <laughs> and do it. No, we didn't do it. It was very very private. Believe it or not, even though I'm here every day, showing myself on camera, I try to limit. Uh, you know all that stuff out there so <laughs> i don't know i don't know we didn't do a gender reveal okay Bottom so line. i think most of the gender reveals are pretty self uh indulgent to be honest and a little bit over the top but i'll say what i think i may have to change my opinion because we saw this weekend a gender reveal that i think everybody can get into and uh Rima, i don't know if you want to get this up on the screen because um, there are some ways of doing things, and then there are elite ways of doing things. And uh, you know what? I can think of no better way than putting in a guy dressed in pink and a guy dressed in blue and putting on a professional wrestling match with all the friends, all the friends and family watching. And um, this one, I'm not sure who put this, who did this or put this together, but... The guys that were involved did an awesome job. They put together about a two to three minute match. Uh, some some close <laughs> near some close near falls for both the the pink and the blue. And uh, at the end, here's where it gets really crazy. The chair, the chairman comes in, nails the boy contingent, and then I believe the uh, the pink wrestler is going to get dragged on top of. The blue guy, yeah, here it is. He's coming on, and they're about to count it down. The referee, you know, refereeing continues to be an issue in professional wrestling. But he finally got there. The three count. It's a girl. It's a girl. That, Remus, I mean, listen, as I said, not a big gender reveal guy, but uh, I can totally get behind that. We could, we should, that, that might be a good blueprint for how people should do it in the future. That was incredible. See, if I knew that that was an option, I would have 100% done that. Um, what was <laughs> this thing got 2.2 million views uh, from this Twitter clip? Uh, that was maybe the viral clip of the weekend, although we do have one other uh, that, that we can get to. That was that- the viral that was the viral clip of the weekend as far as something fun, but there was a sports moment on the weekend that topped everything else. And it wasn't even close. Not Harris English winning a PGA Tour event in an eight-hole playoff 
not the great action in the Euro, not a one nothing game seven win for the Tampa Bay Lightning. No, the event and moment of the weekend in sports was from the professional disc golf world championships. Let me set this up for you. The guy on the tee right now, he's on the final hole and he's down one. The only way he can get into a playoff is to ace a hole in one on the final hole. Um, So essentially this was, you know, he was looking for a bit of a miracle and this is what happened next. Remus play this and crank this volume. This is the call of the year. Unbelievable. What did we just watch? Dude, that's the clutchest thing I've ever seen. I wish I was there. Like, look at this well, scene afterwards. He jars it, oh, and, and you know, you can tell from the commentary and the reaction of everybody at the event, no one could believe what they just saw. And uh yeah, James, and the thing about this, so he he jars this hole in one on the last hole to get into a playoff. And then birdies in the playoffs and wins the world championship. Um, I believe it was James Cameron, James Connor, I believe is the guy's name. Um, Remo, I mean, that was the number one highlight on Sports Center. Scott Van Pelt did a big piece on it. We saw it on TSN Sportsnet. Um, I know a lot of people don't really know much about disc golf. As I said, I didn't. We played it a few times, had a great time. But a, a, a shot like that, exposure like that, can be so big for a sport that is growing in leaps and bounds, especially did through the pandemic. And one of their top stars just signed a $10 million endorsement deal. But honestly, when it just comes down to being clutch in sports, I don't know whether we'll get a better example than that highlight we just showed for years and years and years, regardless of sport. Yeah, look at that, uh, that gallery there, the eruption of the crowd. You've been talking about, you know, praising disc golf for a long time. But when you see something like that, man, this might be a uh, catch on. Can you bet on? Is, was there any like betting lines on this? Was there disc golf fantasy or is that coming down the line? There is betting on it. To be honest, that's sort of why I started paying attention to the pro tour. I had the Saki bomb, Ricky Wysocki at five to one. Didn't have a great tournament. I think he finished four or five shots back. Paul McBeth is the, you know, kind of the, the guy that seems to be the top player um, although there was someone else that had even lower odds than him. But, you know, they're the usual, you know, you've got a group of super elite players. Um, but old James, the new world champ, I think sort of came out of nowhere. And the way he did it uh, with the greatest shot in the history of the sport is something that I think will get a few new people looking at it and certainly a few new people trying it. So I had to show that. I mean, that, I've watched it probably 100 times. I'm sure many of you already have as well. Uh, but it is, uh, it's all there. And I, if you, if you want to see some other views of it with commentary, go to my Twitter at Hustlerama. I was following the tournament on Saturday and when it happened, um, just basically started tweeting about it for the next hour. Um, great show today, Reem. And, you know, we've got lots going. As I mentioned, there's no show on 
on Thursday. Um, we'll probably get Mike back in maybe on Friday or Monday from Montreal. Um, but, you know, next couple days, lots more on the cup final. We've got that big England-Germany game tomorrow in the Euro, which we'll be getting to. Uh, recap of game number one. And every day that goes by, we're a little closer to getting the Bombers and the rest of the CFL on the field, despite the fact that there won't be that organized scrimmage, if you will, between the Bombers and Riders towards the end of this month. Yeah, we're counting down almost, what, uh, we're close to training camp. And I do want to give it another shout out. Uh, check out our Instagram page. There's a link, uh, Sports Talk WPG. There's our giveaway, partnering with Breezy Bend and Little Brown Drug for a round of golf. Some great answers. We will go through them on Wednesday, but I figured I, I had to throw this up uh, on the screen at one point. But yeah, and I saw, you know, CFL News, who I saw Ricky Collins Jr. Uh, he said he was going to retire before us, but he's back now uh, signing with Toronto. And the Rough Riders during this show said that uh, Brandon Labatt, uh, I think he's, I don't know if he's not going to play this year. So I think he, I guess that means he's retiring, right? He's been around for a long time. Yeah, he has been around for a while. And, you know, I think, you know, you know, when he went back to Saskatchewan, he went back home. I mean, he's got roots there. And, uh, you know, probably over the course of the last 18 months sort of started like many players moving on to that life after football. And the thought of moving away from that job and going through uh, the grind that is playing in the pros, especially on the offensive line, um, probably didn't make a lot of sense. No. There'll be a number of those players, like great CFL stars that, you know, were names on their club for a long time that won't be going. And, okay. you know, I think all the teams are going to find out a few more players that they may be expected to be showing up that might not be there when camps get going very soon. Okay, so Tracy clarifies in chat that he's told them he's not playing this season, not retiring. Now, I can kind of see some guys saying, you know what, I don't have enough time to be physically ready this season because the CFL maybe didn't give them notice or they weren't prepared. And then maybe next year you have a full off season. Oh, sorry. Here's Farhan tweets 20 minutes ago. Uh, O'Day says Labad has left the door open for a possible return. If the protocols are relaxed, made it clear he was not retiring. Oh, okay. So, um, you know, for personal reasons, he's decided he's not going to play, but could be open in, in the future. This season. that's something. something if the protocols are relaxed. Oh, geez. Well, uh, <laughs> I won't speculate as to why he might need relaxed protocols. We'll just we'll just follow that well, story as we get through. I have a feeling we might be hearing that stuff with a few players. Well, and I think one thing that I'm following, the NFL, um, you know, they've come out with very strict protocols to the point where, you know, if you're not vaccinated, you you're, can't you're do a lot of Beasley. things on the road. Yeah, and, um, and if you're not vaccinated and you get sick, COVID-19, you have to miss games, you may not get paid, so... The NFL and the NFLPA are working out stuff. I are working out stuff so that they're, you know, stay tuned to what the NFL, because they seem to have the most strict protocols of anyone. um, And and you know, and Vernon Adams, Vernon Adams said that he hopes that the CFL has those same protocols. And um, I listen, it's touchy, but you know, whatever, they got to figure it out. They got to keep people safe, keep each other safe, avoid any sort of uh, outbreaks within the teams. Uh, because if that happens, that will be a huge, huge issue for the Canadian Football League. And that'll be something that we'll uh, get to going forward. As Remus mentioned, go to our Instagram page at Sports Talk WPG. Enter in. And Brown Eyed Girl NJD was asking, do you have to have a public account for that, Remus? I, I'm not as no. familiar with Insta. Uh, I think you should be able to comment and, and do it on us if you're following us, I would imagine. Um, so anyways, get in there. Let us know if you've got a problem on it. Uh, and Wednesday at the end of the program, live on YouTube, we'll put everyone that entered into a big marble race, and that'll be a great way to get into yeah. 
Canada Day, uh, albeit, well, Canada Day long weekend for a lot of people, although we will be back here on Friday with the show heading into the weekend. Yeah, I put in the description, so follow us, follow Breezy, follow Little Brown Jug, like the post, and comment below with what you love about golf and tag a friend who you would include in your foursome. So uh, we have had some funny answers. I'll read some. Um, the, this was one I liked. Baselow, 1974. Love being outside and spending time with my son. He's got some hard lessons to learn in life, and golf will make him learn pain. <laughs> <laughs> there's some other. This is. I mean, there's some other good ones. Uh, Jeff Duran says, "When I hit a nice drive, brackets after shanking the first seven. So uh, there's some really funny answers. I liked iPhone Benj calling out one of his other buddies from the comedy scene, challenging him to 50 bucks a hole in Canadian tire money in the game. Yeah, so uh, uh, yeah, there's, and this is a new one I've never seen. Uh, Andrew William 44 commented, just getting out on the course and seeing friends again, beers, buddies, and birdies. Or the other way around, I'm like, oh, triple B, I've never heard that. Beers, buddies, birdies, come out to the Amen golf to that, amen yeah. to that. Yeah. So yeah, you've you got lots of time to get to that. We'll uh, get it. Uh, make sure you do it before Wednesday because that's the day we'll be doing the draw and we'll do another one of these things courtesy of our friends at Breezy as well as Little Brown Jug heading into the August long weekend. Uh, all right, been a great show. Thanks to everyone that's with us. Hey, if you're still with us right now, make sure you hit that like button, please. Uh, hit that thumbs up. Big help. If you haven't subscribed already, do that. And for everybody listening on the podcast, always helps us. If you give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and throw in a little review, we'd certainly appreciate that as well. Um, thanks to Mike McIntyre. Looking forward to having Mike on again with us later on from the cup final and of course travis yost you can read his work at tsn.ca we'll hear from the commissioner this afternoon we'll certainly talk about that tomorrow on the program as well as game one of the cup final until then folks have a great night stay cool thanks for being with us and we'll talk to you tomorrow right here on podcast and youtube on winnipeg sports talk daily oh my god Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.